Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be discussing an important micronutrient today. We're going to talk about boron. We're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Brian, talking boron today, and I know whenever we start talking about one of these micros, we'll get some folks that say, oh man, that's it. I got everything else figured out. I just need more of that, and my yields will be great. I, I, I don't want anybody thinking that today, but I also don't want them thinking boron isn't important. Right. Um, I, I guess I would just say it's one of the things you need to be taking a look at. NP and K are definitely more important. You got to focus on that stuff first. Sulfur and, and quite frankly, maybe even zinc and copper before I would look at boron. But by the same token, it doesn't cost much to put a little bit of boron out there. So that's why we always want to see it on the soil test because a lot of people go, okay, what should I spend my money on first? It's like, well, if let's just say you've got four things that are low, including boron, I might spend just a, a little bit of my budget on that boron deal. And there are a lot of ways to put it on too. So we'll talk about that throughout the show today. But like for us, it's a little bit different than for a lot of people out there because number one, we have very heavy soil. Number two, we have really high calcium levels. And the more calcium you have, the safer your boron is in the soil. And number three, we don't have a, a lot of rainfall. And number four, we are frozen for like five, our ground is frozen for like five months out of the year. So what I'm, where I'm going with all this is boron is somewhat leachable. It's not as leachable as nitrate or even sulfate, but it's still somewhat leachable. So if I had sand, lots of rain, my ground is never frozen, things like that, I'm going to think about boron way differently. But for us, we like putting out some dry boron in the fall, build the soils up, and then we don't even have to do a whole lot of liquid or anything like that. But there are a lot of people who like to foliar feed. There are some people who put just a trace of boron in almost every pass they're making over the field when they're spraying something foliar. I mean, there are a lot of ways to do it. Yeah, there sure are. Lots of different things. We're going to get into some of those strategies with boron. We'll talk a little bit about different products and, and soil tests and what we're looking for out there as we get going. Uh, but right now, we're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, get this one from Tyler down in north central Kansas. He said, guys, we just finished up our fall harvest with great yields on corn and an average soybean yield. The last several years, we've been cutting soybeans in the 7 to 9% moisture range. We're treating our seed with biologicals and fungicides, along with spraying a fungicide during the growing season. And we cut soybeans this year that were in the 16% moisture range with green beans in the sample still through the field. So we waited Good. just four days, and they were already down to 9% moisture. I'm wondering, is there yep. any way to lengthen that window to keep beans in that 13% range a little bit longer so we aren't giving up so much out in the field? Nope, uh, there is not. And I was just going to run some math. So let's see. Well, what was the yield? We didn't say what the yield was. Uh, he said it was average. So let's just say it's 50. Just use 50 for a number. Okay. okay. The way I probably do that math in my head. So I would say, well, first of all, shrink for soybeans is 1.5%. So for every point of moisture you lose, it's 1.5%. 
in shrink. So if you're 5% low, let's say you're at 8% moisture beans, you have lost 5 times 1.5, that's 7.5%. Well, 7.5% of 50 bushel beans is 3.75 bushels. You multiply that times today's soybean price, and you're talking roughly 50 bucks an acre. So here's the way I look at it on my farm. If we've got 1,000 acres of soybeans, let's just say, that's $50,000 you've lost every year. And so this is one of the things that, like with our dad, we'd always talk numbers, and it wasn't just about this year. It was, okay, well, how about the next 10 years? Well, 50000 times 10 years is $500,000. So I, can, I, I appreciate that you're asking the question because this is a very important question. It's a half a million dollar question. So here's what we do. We put automatic bin fan controls on the farm for, I don't remember what we spent, 4000 8000 12000 a bin, all depends on the size of the bin and stuff. But anyway, I, I mean, in one year, let's say I spent $50,000 to get a whole bunch of bins set up in one year. Well, then I gain that every year after that. So that's the way you do it. And here's the other thing. When you harvest those beans at 16%, you're going to have less loss out in the field. So not only do I have the moisture loss, I am going to have a little more loss. It's just like in corn, people talk about this, uh, how do they say it, hidden yield loss when the, the corn is drier. It's not hidden yield loss. It's very visible. I mean, I used to run our grain dryers every year, and I'll tell you this. Every truck that got dumped and the, the moisture was too dry, I saw where the, the corn went. It went up in the air. It's little fractions of the corn or the bees' wings or just whatever it is, but it's all kinds of extra fine, like little inert parts of that, that seed. And it's the same thing with soybeans. Not quite to the degree of corn, but there's still more loss. You're going to have more field loss. There's more stuff going up in the air. So, I, I mean, instead of 50000 it might be a $75,000 a year problem if all your beans are getting down into that seven to nine percent range so automatic bin fan controls and from now on always harvest the beans at a, a moisture wetter than 13 percent it'll only take two or three weeks you in the bin with the with the bin fan control it'll dry it down to 13 two or three weeks and then your problem is solved all right, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Get this one from Adam who says, guys, I'm going to be applying strip-till fertilizer to the corn in the fall. Wondering what issues should I pay attention to for depth of fertilizer? And just curious what depth you're putting the fertilizer out at. we got 30 uh, seconds going into the how, break. You want to talk yeah, it quicker? Yep. Yep. No, I'll give you the answer quick. So just look at how much fertility is in your top three inches, your top six inches. We usually like getting strip-till fertilizer down deeper than six because generally speaking, most people have the fertilizer loaded up in the top few inches. And we want to make sure our immobile nutrients like phosphorus are down where the roots truly need them. Yeah, a lot of times we're at eight to 10 inches deep on our strip-till fertilizer. And thanks for the question, Adam. We'll be right back after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking a little about boron, also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And of course, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, mentioned just a little bit about what boron actually does, and that's uh, some of the first responses are, okay, you're talking about boron. What does it actually do in the plant? Well, that's a great question. Uh, boron is really important for moving sugars, uh, moving food, uh, hormones inside the plant, and it's also important for cell structure. And one of the first uh, lessons that I got about boron, I was talking with a, a soil micronutrient expert, and I said, okay, boron's a little bit different. It's it's leachable. Uh, a lot of the nutrients are um move around a little bit different in the plant. What's so special about boron? And he said, boron is almost structural. You'd need it just all the time. And that's something that I thought was a little different than what I'd been hearing about boron of, well, you just need it around pollination time. And certainly you do, but you need a little bit of boron all the way through. And that kind of changed my mind as to where we need to fertilize for boron. Now we've got heavy soils, quite a bit of organic matter we can hold some stuff here and so we can get away with putting on boron even with a fall application where guys with lots of rain and lighter soil since it's leachable are, are more likely to be putting it on during the growing season now for us that that's a good advantage to have if we need some boron all through the season rather than having to apply it multiple times we just want to make sure that we have our soil levels up and that, that we've got a decent program putting boron out each year because we need roughly a pound. So let's let's have soil test levels better than one, parts per, one part per million. We've got some soil tests that are two or even three parts per million on boron. Where we've got that, uh, we've got availability throughout the season, and, and that's been good. It's really showing up in our tissue tests. Uh, with boron, if you're doing foliar apps, we see tissue tests look good for a week or two. 
And as soon as you've got a new leaf or two on your plants, if they're still growing vegetatively, you see deficiencies once again. So it really does stay put once you've got it in that plant. So we need a constant source of boron as we're going. Um, adequate levels can help reduce missing seeds by moving seed growth hormones. So one way that we see this is with corn that doesn't fill out to the tip. Boron is often the culprit if if we've got an ear that boy it just we got a lot of tip back out there. Now there are some genetics that are more prone to tip back, no question about that. But in general, if we don't have enough boron, we're not going to fill that ear out to the end. So that's something to watch. I know in our farm we have certainly noticed that as we have built boron and focused more on this micronutrient, we've had ears that that filled out all the way to the end, and and that really helps, and it certainly adds up in terms of yield. Um, now the leaching on boron, I, I did mention that it leaches. It, it isn't quite as bad, at least what, from what we found, as nitrate or sulfate. In our soils, we see nitrate go away much faster. And next, I would say, is sulfate. Boron holds on a little better than those two do. Uh, not saying that's always going to be the case in every single soil type, but it's certainly what we've seen, and we've got a ton of data to back that up. So it, it is leachable, but it's not crazy. Um, and the other thing, when we look at our soil tests, uh, I mentioned we're looking at at least a part per million. Uh, I know Neil Kinsey will say 0.8 parts per million is really the bare minimum that, that they'd be seeking. Uh, we, we like to see at least a part per million in our soils and, and we're up around two or three parts per million on some of our soils. If we get too much potassium, and this is kind of a cautionary tale for uh, for Brian, he gets really excited. Oh man, let's get the potassium base saturations built up. And I'm sure if you've listened to the show more than once, you've probably heard Brian get on a rant about how much potassium has helped our soils. That is awesome. But if you overdo it, if you overdo it, and you get your potassium saturation way over eight, uh, you you can tie up boron. So it is something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, when you think about boron, it's really important. I look at how can I get boron a little bit cheaper? For us, we've been utilizing a 15% dry boron product that that is much, much cheaper than the liquids. But if we need to get something into the plant right now, those liquids, especially in crop or in the 2 by 2 have been a pretty nice way to, to show a good response in our plants. Uh, with boron, it's just something that we want you to watch for. Make sure you're getting a complete soil test so you can keep an eye on those levels. We see, I, I don't know, all the micronutrients, Brian, I, I think we get a lot of tests that have just zinc on there for some reason. Uh, but but we have a lot of tests that come in without boron and without some of the other micros too. And that's, that's tough for us to make recommendations in. Right. And it's not that zinc isn't important. It is. It's just we want all of them. So anyway, yeah, with boron, it's really hard because there are quite a few soils, like I said earlier, where let's say the ground is light. And I mean, are we really going to have uh, boron sitting there in the soil available year round? No, it's never going to happen. So if you have really light soil, then I would just say you're kind of stuck to put a little bit out early and then maybe do some foliar. If you do that, you should be in pretty good shape. But like for us, yeah, we're we're just in a different spot. And again, I mentioned the calcium or the yeah, the calcium thing to kind of safe in the barn, because a lot of people are like, well, how much barn can I put out? Because I heard it's toxic. Well, anything can be toxic. Anything. 
I, I mean, nitrogen can be toxic. So you always have to be careful with everything that you're using, but I don't worry about that that much with boron as long as I have good calcium levels. So one of the things, uh, Rob Fritz, agronomist who's occasionally on the show with us, he talks about 1,000 to 1 is the ratio. So if there, there is a fair amount of research out there. So basically, if you have 1,000 parts per million of calcium, you can have one part per million of boron real safely, no problem at all. Well, like for us, we got a lot of stuff that's 5,000 parts per million on calcium. So it's no issue at all for us to have three to five parts per million on boron. Well, a lot of the soil tests we look at, it's 0.2 or 0.3 parts per million. And that's most likely going to be a yield limiting factor in a big crop. Now, if you've got poor yields, let's say you're in a super dry area and you're getting 120 bushel corn, you know, maybe 0.2 or 0.3 on boron is enough. But one of the things we often look at is the end of the year. If the end of the year is not filling out well, a lot of people think, oh, I just planted too many plants per acre. And you may have, but it also could be boron, and you're just short on boron. Boron is especially important around flowering time. So, yes, it, we'd like to have good boron levels in the plant to start the year, but we really need to have those good levels when a soybean is flowering when a corn crop is tasseling, things like that. So I, I just say, yeah, boron is really important. It's just you don't need a whole lot. Look at the, look at the nutrient removal charts. You'll see boron is <laughs> it's really low, but nevertheless, we got to have it. All right. Uh, get a question that came in, um, and it's about tiling. Uh, this is from Lane down in Nebraska. He said, guys, we're tiling through an area that, that was just kind of let go and not maintained, and the soil is just dead. We're curious, if you get into some of those areas where, where they've just had a problem for a long time and it should have been tiled many years before, is there something you do to stimulate soil life in those areas, or do you just start raising a crop? Well, just starting to raise a crop is stimulating soil life. So we'd want to see the soil test before we tell you, oh, there's this problem or that problem, or hey, do this or that. I, I would say as a general state, let's just say soil life is gone. Okay, so think about how do we get more soil life out there? We use manure or compost, uh, but I really like manure personally, but compost is fine. You can use some biological products, and then you just want to get stuff growing again. Now, one other thing that I'll say, if it's, if it's been really poorly drained for a long time, it's also possible that the compaction in there is horrible. Now, the compaction could just be from excess sodium or something like that, but more than likely, because it's been wet and because you said this has been going on so long, people have been driving over it, compacting it, and I just make sure we've got the compaction reduced as much as possible. We need air in that soil so the microbes can live. That's exactly right. We we just haven't had the air out there, so we need that back in our soils. It's one of the reasons that I love subsurface drainage. It really helps improve that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology. Enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking a little about boron on the show and also taking your calls and questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. Got Paul Borges with us right now with Stanislaus Farm Supply out in California. Paul, how you doing? Good. How you doing? You know, we're doing well. We're doing well. We've got heavy soils here, Paul. We've got high organic matter levels. We're able to hold a couple parts per million of boron in our soils. Not very many others are. So I know you face a lot of different soil types uh, and and even some real light soils where you're at. Talk to us a little about boron and, and how you manage that on the different farms that you get to work with. Yeah, no, we try to keep on all the different uh, soil types, at least one and a half to two parts per million. And a lot of the stuff we do is in season. Uh, we run liquid-wise through the season on most tree crops, and we apply a dry boron in the fall. And it just adjusts into the different crops we have around here to how much we need. 
You know, you mentioned running boron on tree crops, and I know for us on corn, one of the things that we notice is uh, we have ears that have a lot of tip back if we run short of boron. What do you notice on tree crops when boron's in in a uh, deficient state? Uh, yeah, on the, on the tree crops, a lot of it has to do with the pollen to attract the bees. The better the parts per million is, the better the scent they say is for the bees to come and pollinate. And we can see we see deficiencies in boron. You can see it in the nuts. You can see it in the pistachios, the almonds, and a little bit on the walnuts. You'll definitely see some deficiencies. But so what we try to do is in season, depending on what kind of soil type it is, we'll run so much through the water system and applying uh, some of the dry. And then other places we got too much in the soil. We got to make sure our calcium is where it needs to be. Yeah, the calcium has been the trick here too. If we've got calcium up, uh, what we've been looking at is for each thousand parts per million of calcium, we feel like we can hold one part per million of boron safe. Are, are we on the right track there at all? Have you ever looked at a ratio on that? No, that's pretty close right there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. And, and um, one of the things about soil fertility too, there are a lot of good rules of thumb and, and guidelines that really pertain to no matter what crop you're trying to grow. Do you do you manage for the same parts per million in the tree crops that you do in, in vegetable crops and others? Yeah, the vegetables, if we're going for seed, we're a little more worried about where the boron's at. Uh, on the tree crops, like I said, we're trying to get close to that two parts per billion. In corn, same thing. Uh, alfalfa's pretty close. We say at that 1.5 to 2. Uh, the only thing I ever, the only crops I ever really mess with that we change anything uh, like that is copper and uh, berries because they're always being touched. So we we'll push the copper number up a little bit and keep the boron at one point five. You know, when when we think about the in crop applications, I, I know a lot of farmers that we talk to, Paul, are worried about injuring the crop. Is there a safe rate to apply? Is is there a reason for concern, or or is it pretty much a full go with boron, no, no problem at all? Uh, depending on where your soil test tells you where you're at, is number one. Um, you know, we don't we never apply big poundage. You know, five to ten pounds in season. The liquids. You know, we're running anywhere from a quart to a gallon, depending on how many actual pounds of boron's in it. But you have to watch all the all the micros of where they're at to make sure you're not pushing boron too high and knocking something else out of the way for the crop. One thing that that I think we heard from from you or from Neil Kinsey about potassium-based saturation, if it's really high, that can that can create some issues with the boron. Have you run into that where you've gotten K just out of whack or any of the majors that, that really stopped boron from doing what it needs to do? Yeah, you can. If you got boron, I mean, I'm sorry, if you got potassium and sodium over 10 of the base, it will start to block manganese, copper, boron. It'll hold back that, so you got to make sure you put it in your foliar sprays into your crop or add it in season somehow. But if your potassium and sodium are equal more than 10, you can't start to lock out certain nutrients. All right. One, one other comment you wanted, you made that I want to follow back up on. You said you're using some dry sources of boron in the fall. Now here, when we talk about fall applications, like we're out doing some fall applications today and we've got snow in the forecast in the next couple of days. 
you probably don't have snow coming where you're at, Paul. So what does fall mean for you? And is there a time where you say, no, we got to wait till after this date? Or is there anything that, that really determines uh, what that fall application timing is? Usually we let the guys get all their ground, you know, like in the orchards, they do all their ground prepping, pre-emergence, all that stuff that we'll come back in afterwards. Try to get in with the rain, which we've been getting here the last couple of days, which is a blessing. Um, it's really weather driven in the fall when we try to apply before the rain. And then in season, we just run, you know, small amounts through in season. Are you looking at tissue tests? Are you looking at, yes. at, uh, okay. Do you, do you do sap testing at all? I've looked into that. There's not much around here done, but we do take tissue. Like in trees, we'll take tissues two to three times a year. Uh, tomatoes, we're taking tissues every week at a certain stage. So we're, we definitely keep an eye on it where it is in the plant. And then we keep the, like in, a, in an orchard, you could keep multiple years because, you know, you're not replanting new trees. So you can see what the, what the average is over the last couple of years and see where you're at with all the nutrients. But boron, we do keep it in multiple, multiple ways, soil, tissue. I haven't tried the sap yet. I'm working on learning more about sap. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be uh, an upcoming thing. We'll see if that gets to be uh, cost-effective and, and if there are enough labs doing it to, to get data turned around quickly for, for growers in different parts of the country. Um, with boron, one of the things that we hear a lot, especially from from growers of corn, they're always concerned about their nitrogen inputs. Uh, and boron is one of those nutrients that kind of gets involved in that moving moving around sugar, moving around food, moving around nitrogen in the plant. Um, do you look at any correlations with nitrogen? Is this something that goes out with nitrogen or, or, uh, uh, how do you, how do you look at boron in comparison with nitrogen? Uh, pretty much. I like pretty much both what you're saying the way there, the way you're saying it, and we'll watch the boron levels in, on these dairy grounds cause they'll have phosphates off the chart and potassium. So we make sure when we take the first early tissue samples, who are the borons at and keep, uh, try to keep it the best we can. And going into corn, we'll usually apply some to the soil if it's needed. And we'll put some in the side dress, not a lot, but on the two-by-two, two, we'll add some boron there and some manganese. How about for protein increases, Paul? I guess are there is boron one of those nutrients that you look at and in some of the vegetable crops you're working with to improve protein? Yes. I mean, they're all, they all got their importance at the levels they're at. Uh, but boron is definitely one of them if we're trying to, especially if we're trying to do uh seed crop. The two most important ones to us in the seed crops are boron and manganese. But we definitely keep an eye on that when we're trying to grow a seed crop. Yeah, I look at nitrogen and sulfur and boron as really key ones for protein in, in wheat, for example. Um, do you see that in, in things? Uh, we've got a caller who wants to talk a little bit about food-grade beans. Do you do any work with those? Uh, beets? Uh, beans. Oh, beans? Yeah, we do some, some black eye, and that's probably the most common one around here that we do. And the, the boron and the manganese, and every, like everyone always forget sulfur, like you brought up there, are the keys, especially in, in the starches. 
Yeah, it's interesting to think about all the different functions that nutrients have. And we're talking today about a micronutrient boron that, yep, you don't need a whole lot of pounds of it per year, but it certainly is vital to have enough when you need it. Uh, talking with Paul Borges yep. with Stanislaus Farm Supply out in California. Paul, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Hey, you guys have a good one. You bet. You too. As we talk about boron here today, we've got a number of soil samples that have come in. And if you've got soil samples or just questions for us, the Ag PhD mailbag is open. It's radio at agphd.com if you want to send us an email. Or our phone line's at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking a little about boron and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Michigan to get Chuck on the line with us right now. How's it going, Chuck? It's going real good. Hey, I saw your question pop up on the screen. I was finishing up with Paul, and I thought, man, I'm going to ask Paul Borges about this because I know he raises a lot of different uh, vegetable crops out there and different things. And um, you had a question about food grade beans. Yeah. Uh, just curious, what I, what I tried to tried to get on with him? That's what I wanted to ask him. These would be food grade soybeans, okay. mainly for tofu for export. Um, and for these, uh, protein is very important because the more protein, the more yield of tofu you'll get, uh, especially in Japan with the products that they use to make the tofu. And I've seen in the past um, beans that were grown on sugar beet ground where they use heavy boron applications as well. And um, in the thumb of Michigan, either on the east or west side on the shores where it's old lake bottom, uh, they have high calcium levels. And in those situations, that's where I've seen the highest protein levels in these food-grade beans. Okay. Um, I haven't necessarily been able to replicate it um, by applications. It's And usually beans following sugar beets usually have a tough time just because of the stress put on them following, you know, the beet ground. Sure. So just trying to see if anybody's done any research or has any idea on, you know, like you said, the calcium boron ratio. I know that's very important. Um, I've seen application. We've applied boron to other crops and have seen, or other soybeans and have seen it increase um, yield but not necessarily the protein, maybe when the calcium levels weren't right. Okay. So just trying to find out more information on that. Yeah, it, it is something we're interested in, too. And I, I know the the entire soybean industry is concerned about this because our protein levels in general in soybeans haven't been as good as in some other growing areas around the world. And that's something that could be a challenge marketing those beans to, to different countries and different buyers. Um, with the, yeah. with the we're, soybean protein, we we, oh, go ahead. Crusher beans, on uh, our crusher beans, we haven't got discounted for them yet going to the processors. But I think it's a matter of time because as we've seen yields increase, I think we've seen a proportionate decrease in proteins. And when you're trying to make meal, that's pretty important too. Absolutely. Uh, but we haven't haven't had to really worry about it it's just things that i've seen but this in the food grade soybeans it is it's uh critical to try to get that 44 percent protein bean on 100 percent dry matter is sort of like a unicorn project yeah yeah it sure is and you know i look at fertility programs and growing up our dad was on a two-year fertility program so he had corn and beans in rotation and he'd say okay i'm gonna go put things out in in the fall and it's going to last us for two years and that strategy was probably fine when we were getting a hundred bushel corn and 30 or 40 bushel soybeans but uh, at the levels that we're at now we're fertilizing each year and and really working hard on that but so many growers that we talk to aren't putting fertilizer on soybeans and it's really costing them and and in many cases guys are saying oh my corn yields are good but my beans aren't keeping up and 
Um, I know there's a lot of that that goes on and, and guys that would love to do a little bit more, but maybe don't understand all, all the things on a soil test and certainly like um, micronutrients like boron we're talking about today. And Paul had mentioned, uh, don't forget about manganese and certainly don't forget about sulfur. Well, there's a lot of folks that say, well, I don't need sulfur on my soybeans, but it's sure making a difference. Almost everyone I talk to that puts sulfur on beans, uh, they say the more sulfur I put out there, the more yield I'm getting too. Well, we've seen that here, especially in Michigan, due to, you know, all the industry, heavy industry we had in Detroit, Flint, and Saginaw, that now have cleaned up their act so we don't have acid rain anymore. Um, we've definitely had to increase our sulfur um, in our fertilizer blends. Right. So, yeah, they are all important, but like where you said, I think you said, or maybe it was a previous one, you know, a thousand to one right. calcium to phosphorus. That be or calcium to boron. Yep. That would that be in the soil test? That's yes. That's what we're that's what we're looking at on ours, and it's uh, it's certainly not something we found in a textbook or anything like that. We're we're actually pulling one acre grids on our entire farm and looking at thousands of data points each year. We've done it now. I think this is year five. Uh, so we got five years of data and just looking at all of our soils that we are personally farming, and looking at what our yields are, comparing it to what our soil test results are, and that's about the correlation that we're seeing where we're getting uh, a really good response. But, I mean, obviously there's so many different factors and fields and weather and all this that goes on every year, but that's why multiple years of data and thousands and thousands of points uh, give us a lot more confidence. Definitely. And, you know, like say I, I manage, you know, we're on the buying end of the soybeans. We also grow too. But, you know, I can think about a lot of this stuff, and then we get busy with harvest, and that overwhelms everything, you know, as far as testing and stuff. And I haven't been able to get any of the universities really to look at it. They've said they've done some boron tests in the past and haven't shown a response. But I think, like you pointed out, the ratio of the other nutrients and micronutrients can have a lot of bearing on it. So I've just, I'm trying to find somebody that can give me a few more of these points to try play with and see if we can consistently raise that protein yeah absolutely and in michigan, in michigan due to all the lake effect in the lakes uh trying to produce food grade soybeans is a real challenge but when we do um because of the slow growing conditions and everything uh, they're real high quality beans that are sought after in asia and just trying to get a consistent protein is sort of one of the last pieces of the puzzle yeah yeah, that's for sure. Well, Chuck, uh, appreciate the call. Appreciate the conversation. It's one that definitely needs to be had because uh, protein in, in beans is, is a huge deal, whether it's food-grade beans or, or commercial soybeans. All right. Well, I'll be listening for some any more comments you have on it in the future. You bet. Well, thanks a lot, Chuck. Appreciate it. Good day. You bet. You too. I've got Chad Henderson on with Extreme Ag now down in Alabama. Chad, you're listening to that soybean protein discussion. Is that anything you guys have looked at? No, it hasn't. It's very interesting, and you know, and I think Chuck's onto something, and exactly right there that you know this is this is coming around, and and us as farmers, you know, the quality is definitely going to be a a big deal in the future, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, our topic today, boron, and I know you got a little different growing condition than than growing situation than what we've got up here. Is that an in crop thing? Is it a dry thing you put out in the fall or spring, or is it all of the above in Alabama? It's going to definitely be D, all the above. <laughs> you know, it's definitely going to be that. Uh, you know, it's hard for us to hold it 
and you know we'll come in like you was talking about with that with that a pound or so that's in the soil in the soil test and all and then we'll just have to keep pushing it in because of our organic matter and seeds and all you know sure so we'll we'll put we'll put some out early and then put some out you know at every increment we will keep applying boron you know all the way to the end you say we're talking about corn you know and uh on beans we won't apply as much you know because it seems to hold the numbers up easier okay yeah and that's one thing we do get a lot of questions on in different crops and and you mentioned the corn uh we probably have to keep after it a little bit more and certainly a lot of nutrient demand there uh and you know i mentioned we notice it with tip back is there anything else that you'd say boy that's a real uh telltale sign we're, we're going to be short in boron well you know it's, it's like i said i think it's you know what which we you know we learn more every year all that we apply and we we learn more every year and i think you know, we used to try to hold the numbers up all the time, and it was so hard to do, you know, and people like, well, I just can't hold my numbers up. Well, you, you know, everybody's in the same boat. And so now we look at, you know, I've been looking at trying to just push the numbers up. You know, when we say hold them up, I'm saying hold them in the team, if you will, you know, with the numbers, you know, um, on a tissue test. But when we'll hold them up, I say we'll try to run them up at certain stages in the plants, you know. And then that, that has to do with the application method. You know, we can't just go out there and just make application of boron. You know, so we got to figure it out to make it fit in your program, you know, to get us to where we can 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 make the bang for a buck on our application as well. Yeah, it'd be fun if we could just make 100 applications out there with individual <laughs> things, but it just doesn't work out that way. Hey, Chad, thank you so much for sharing. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Schedule your service appointment with the experts at CNB and make sure your equipment is in top shape to keep you in the field and ahead of the game. CNB is your local John Deere dealer. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeerEquipment.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Come to Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Come to Commodity Classic. Please join us in Orlando, Florida in 2023. Join us in Orlando for Commodity Classic. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin studio today, taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Got into a little discussion there about protein and in beans, and it certainly is something, man, we'd love to see some more work done on that. And uh, it's tough because there's a variety of factors involved, and certainly genetics are part of that too. We look at a lot of different soybean genetics across the industry and across uh, trait platforms and providers and, and so forth, and that has not been a focus. It just hasn't been. And part of the reason, and, and Chuck got into it there when he, he said, you know, we aren't discounted for it at the elevator. And He's exactly right. If if there's a premium for it or a discount, we pay a lot of attention to that. And it's something where I think at some point, uh, if we are at a significant disadvantage for protein levels in, in beans coming from uh, North America, it's it's something that, that's going to cost us down the road. There's no doubt about that. All right. Uh, I've been talking boron on today's program. I uh, got some feedback there from, from Chad Henderson down in the south just they're applying it early and often in crops and, and trying to uh, maintain levels in the soil in lighter soils, lower organic matter. Chad just mentioned, you know, gosh, we're trying to have uh, at least a part per million in the soil and, and just trying to make sure we're not going below that, but also trying to feed crop along the way. But he also made a comment about uh, they used to be looking at numbers on tissue tests, trying to see parts per million in the teens all the way through the year and it was just about impossible to do and now they're looking more at let's let's just run this up at really important times always maintain some boron in the plant but at certain times uh, especially towards reproduction i'm assuming would be one of those uh, try and run it up at that point and i think that seems to be a lot more manageable strategy as i mentioned before with tissue tests we can uh, make an application of boron and hold levels up for a week or two but when new leaves come out uh, boron just doesn't move around that much, so you're going to start running short again pretty quickly. All right, let's dive back into yep. the Ag PhD mailbag, and I got a drainage question here, Brian. So I'll throw this one at you. It's from Guy out in Hawaii, uh, and he said, okay, guys, you know a little bit about our, our area here, low CEC soils, 160 inches of rain a year. Some of our land has 20% slope on it, but we do have some areas that are more level. 
And after the sugarcane industry died, we maybe mistakenly planted mainly macadamia nuts here. And we're constantly having trees die from phytophthora and other diseases affecting the roots and trunks. Uh, to my knowledge, nobody in Hawaii has really used drain tile extensively, although I have talked to a sweet potato grower who's, who wants to do some, and what they're seeing is less disease uh, where, where they're trying mm-hmm. some. So just curious what you yeah. think about it. When I dig a four-foot root pit, I find roots all the way down. I don't find any like super saturated areas, but it's always moist. So I'm just kind of curious what you think. Well, the purpose of drain tile is to lower the water table. It's not to get rid of all water in the soil or anything like that. So if the water table never rises above the level of the tile line, then the tile's not going to do you any good. With low CEC ground, then the tile is less important. But nevertheless, even as we say that, it still can be important because if you think about this, it's a way, it's a quick conduit to get water out of the field. Now, some people get all worried about flooding and everything else downstream, and I'm going, come on. Most, most people with their tile systems design it for a half an inch per acre per day at best, not four inches. You'd have to have massive tile lines out there. So it's only going to take some water away every day. And yeah, when you talk about 160 inches of rain a year, um, that is a lot. That's a tremendous amount. So I, I, it would not surprise me if at least in some of your low grounds and your flat grounds, you do have this issue. Even in your hills, that's something that we've found too. And we don't have, I don't think, anything that we're farming uh, that's 20% slope, but we do have a bunch of highly erodible land, and we tile up into the hills there too. And it does pay for us. So, yeah, I, I mean... If I was you, I would certainly be trying some too. Uh, you know, I think now, about would this I go I, crazy until I proved it. No, I think about this too, Brian. And and we've been around just a little bit and seen a number of different crops. Uh, I just see some areas, uh, like like in vineyards, for example, they'll graft on a plant that produces these great berries up top onto a native plant that's really tough and tolerates disease down low. I wonder if that kind of solution is going to be something that, that macadamia farmers need to do of, oh, okay, here's a native variety. Maybe it doesn't produce very many nuts or maybe they aren't the most flavorful nuts, but I can graft onto that root system something that's even okay. better up top. Okay, but here, here's the other problem that I wanted to get to. With tile lines, when we start talking about perennial crops, that's trouble. Because now any perennial crop, tree, anything, it can get its roots down in there, and then you're going to end up plugging up with dirt eventually, and your tile line might be no good in 5 to 10 years. So yeah, might be you short-lived. have to get a lot of benefit out in a short time. Right. The other thing that I'd say is fertility. How are we doing on fertility? Potassium is probably the biggest thing for a lot of those kind of crops and and trees and everything. So I I just look at the overall fertility program. That will help. I'm not saying it's going to solve the problem with Phytophthora, but I would assume that could help. All right. Thanks for the question, Guy. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Guy had uh, one last comment. He said, 
uh, I know this is probably way out of your area since you guys raise corn and beans in the frozen tundra, but I do really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, your program. Hey, thanks, guy. Uh, really, <laughs> really appreciate you, too. Uh, I had another drainage question, too. This one's from Montana, totally different situation. Uh, this is from Wesley in south-central Montana. He said, we've got alkaline soil that's creeping in around our shop on the farm, and it's often so soft mm-hmm. that machinery will make ruts there. Uh, just wondering, mm-hmm. is is that a drainage tile thing? Is there a soil amendment yep. fix, uh, or is it a combination of both? No. no, it's most likely a tile thing. So that that's my assumption. I, I mean, I don't know for sure. But just from the way that sounds, that really sounds like, hey, we just need to get some tile out there and take care of it. I mean, think about, is there any house in the country anymore that's, that's built without drain tile around it? I mean, certainly not if it has a basement. And even the ones that are built slab on grade should have tile around it. I know most don't, but I'm just saying a lot of these houses, that, that's part of the reason why. I mean, there's just, there's so much water all the time. You want to keep that water out. Well, here, we're just trying to reduce compaction and, and reduce the alkali issue. And, yeah, drain tile is typically the first thing that we talk about. I'm assuming it's fairly heavy ground, and you just put the tile out there. It won't cost you a whole lot just to go around this shop or whatever, and you're done. All right. Thanks for the question, Wesley. Got this one from Dwayne, and he said, guys, you were talking about apical dominance, and... I'm curious, does anybody practice cutting back the leader on uh, soybeans to promote more lateral branching or using a herbicide on yeah. it? Is there is there a place or yeah. and time for that? Um, no, there isn't a place or time for that. So two things I can tell you. Back when Pursuit was the most popular herbicide, that um, you hit it with that, you hit it with some of the ALS products, it reduced the apical dominance. So we had shorter plants, more bushy. Did that help yield? No. And then Kip Colors, he, he was doing experiments clipping off tops of, of bean plants and stuff, and he's tried all kinds of things to reduce lodging and, I mean, just some of the challenges he was having. And, I, I, and so I don't want to quote Kip, but I just remember him talking about that, and I feel very confident in saying that did not increase his yield at all. So I don't see that there's a place for reducing that apical dominance. Maybe maybe somebody will figure that out someday where, oh, if we have this condition, you reduce or you eliminate that apical dominance, get plant bushes out more, and then you're in better shape. I don't know what that would be today, though. Yeah, it's certainly been a lot of people trying. Like you mentioned, Kip was doing some things by hand, and it costs you nothing to do that. Just to, hey, let's try clipping a few plants by hand. I can see for myself what right. kind of response those plants have. Give give it a shot if you want to yep. and, and see or clip it at mm-hmm. different stages and, and see if that makes any yep. difference for you in your area with your soils and, and climate and so forth. That would Yeah, be... we've tried this with, with, with corn, too, and just mowing stuff off, keeping the plant height the same to see if, well, well then ear height be the same. Uh, so that didn't work either. Hey, thanks for the question, though. It's definitely worth thinking about. No doubt about that, Dwayne. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.